When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? What's the worst day of the week that gets us all depressed? M-O-N-D-A-Y-S-U-C-K-S Here comes more aggravation and a brand new week of stress. M-O-N-D-A-Y-S-U-C-K-S Monday sucks. out there in Geek Vibes Nation. It's your pal Dane, and I got another episode of Monday Suck uh, for you guys out there. Uh, if you can't tell by the name for our new listeners, this is Monday Suck, and we do the show live on Blog Talk Radio every Monday, usually at 6 or 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. I am actually, uh, I, I got a little co-host, uh, my, my, my brother, uh, Luke Alves. So Luke, w- what's up, man? What are you doing? Nothing, man, you know, just uh, trying to get ready for the week, you know, uh, as the the show goes, Monday sucks, so, you know, just getting ready for this week of work. No kidding, man, and I swear, today was torturous. I mean, we weren't busy at work, but I swear to God, like, it just should be, I don't know, uh, an extra day of the weekend where we don't have to do a damn thing. Like, it just, it's a terrible day, and I think we should sacrifice it um, to the, uh, you know, the Aztec gods on a volcano. Are you down for that? I'm with you. Or I've always thought about this. What if Tuesdays were just off? Like, you can't get rid of Mondays. So now Monday's kind of less because no matter what, if you get rid of Mondays, you're going to hate Tuesdays. But what if you just had that, like, gap day where it's like you get ready for Monday and then Tuesday you break and then, you know, just Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you just got to go in and just get really dive in. I can make Mondays not so terrible. We'll have to talk to the New World Order, or, or, or a.k.a. the Illuminati, and see if they like this idea. I think that we should do that and take away, uh, uh, call it, um, uh, the lighting, the, the, the times that we change the, the time and go back and forth. Why the hell am I having a problem with this right now? And I haven't even smoked today. What the fuck? Um, daylight savings time. We'll, we'll get them to get rid of that, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll put in our idea of having Tuesday as a <laughs> as a bridge between Monday and Wednesday and the awfulness that is Mondays. But then again, if we were to do that, Luke, I wouldn't be able to have a show where we can bitch about shit from the last week on Monday. So maybe uh, we don't need it to be so nice and jazzy. Yeah, we'll just throw that idea out, out right now. We'll just get rid of it. I couldn't remember daylight savings time. This is going to be a very long show, and we're trying to do a short one. So uh, let's just uh, get into it. Um, Man, uh, well, cheap plug and kind of goes into some of the stuff that I was going to talk about, but, I mean, I'm going to make it short uh, because I have another show. If you're into professional wrestling, why wouldn't you be? Uh, I do a show on Wednesdays. Uh, Right now we are in a a time period where it's subject to change uh, due to the fact that we now don't have SmackDown on Tuesdays. It's on Friday night, and we have NXT and AEW going against each other on Wednesday. So uh, me and Chris are realizing more and more we're going to have to cater to two shows, and we might have to change uh, stuff. But as of right now, uh, we will be doing 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over on Blog Talk, Wrestling Geeks Alliance. So check it out. Um, 
And this week I'm going to bitch a lot about the pay-per-view that I watched last night because there has been this character, and even if you're not a wrestling fan, I'm going to try to make this intriguing for everyone, including my brother who doesn't keep up with it. But there's been a character that has gotten a lot of attention on social media, uh, a lot of interest. I've had friends that don't watch wrestling that saw him on Twitter or something, and they were asking me questions about it, and that's The Fiend, played by a wrestler called Bray Wyatt. And it's a very horror-based character. He's creepy. He's got an evil mask. And, you know, he's kind of giving this concept of, like, The Undertaker back when he first started, of, like, this unstoppable monster, and no one's going to be able to beat him, and he's destroying people left and right, and he's, you know, there's legends in the ring, whether it be, you know, Jerry the King. There's a bunch of people that, like, come out, and then this motherfucker puts the lights out, they go back on, and he strangles them or, or does his move. I don't want to explain too many details. But either way, there's been problems with WWE as of lately with a lot of the fans because creatively they'll shit the bed. They'll, they'll push people. What I mean push is that they'll make their top people not the ones the fans want. And if someone kind of gets that type of build themselves, it doesn't work out. They'll, they'll kind of like try it and then say, screw it. And last night they had uh, a Hell in a Cell match where The Fiend was going against the champion. And he's got this great entrance. He looks like fucking, you know, Leatherface and Freddy Krueger had a baby. Pennywise all mashed in the one. And awesome entrance. They make him so, like, you know, the champion's giving him everything that he's got. And he keeps on getting up like it's nothing. And because the dude goes and grabs a hammer and hits it with him, they stopped the match, and the place went absolutely apeshit. If anyone out there, especially the wrestling fans who are listening, because I know a bunch of them are, AEW is this new promotion that's happening. It's on TNT. The owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars is the owner behind it, and a lot of the ex-wrestlers from WWE or some of the guys that made it outside of WWE formed it, and they're gaining popularity. And the fucking audience was screaming, refund. There was a refund chant. There was This Is Awful, uh, there was um, AEW, that's what you want, your new competition being fucking broadcasted over and over again throughout the audience. I mean, it was so bad, and the match wasn't even that terrible, but the, the choice they decided to make to keep the belt on their champ that they think is the proper guy and involve this new entity that they have that's gained popularity outside of the wrestling community Luke, I, I swear to God, I, I wanted to punch myself in the face, and it made me feel stupid for being a wrestling fan, which that happens a lot. No, yeah, I mean, I can completely understand the frustration. I mean, like you said, I I don't keep up with wrestling, but I definitely know who the theme is and Ray Wyatt, and I definitely think just looking at him, I mean, I like I said, I don't watch him that much, but he's just got this very scary persona on him. He just... The way that he, you know, he kind of just, like, makes himself look and appears, you know, I've just seen random highlights. So, you know, I was, I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan, you know, of, of, you know, of someone that could throw themselves like that, just especially for an outside viewer like me, you know, that's almost like window shopping. That's something that's like, that caught my eyes, you know, possibly get me back. But that definitely makes me frustrated if they, you know, the way that they ended it like that. And, um. Man, that's got to be really, really embarrassing, too, for uh, um, Vince McMahon and everyone to have all the fans chanting that stuff. Man, I don't – that's bad. That's – to chant refund, (laughs) 
and the competitor, the new competitor, um, definitely have to do something. Now, I got to ask you, because, uh, you know, I get the ESPN updates. It, it, I thought it ended in a no contest. So, is when he hit him with the hammer, they disqualified him and kept the belt with the champ. Is that how the match ended? I'm going to be honest with you. I think it was a no contest, but I don't really understand the difference. What happened in the match, and keep in mind, this is a fucking Hell in a Cell match. So this is no disqualifications. The first match they had was also another one between the ladies, Becky and um, Sasha. They had an awesome match. They beat each other with kendo sticks. In this match, the Fiend goes and grabs this giant mallet uh, and is chasing Seth around and actually nails him in the ribs with it. That's okay. But Seth keeps on, like, he finally gets him down. It's like a horror movie. Like, he does his finisher a million times, and he keeps on getting up. And finally, he put, throws, you know, he puts, you know, a table on top of him, then a ladder on top of that, and then, like, a chair on top of that, and then takes the hammer, and the idea is he smashed it, so it, like, you know, obviously must have smashed his head, so the, the referee stops the match and tells medics to come in, and it was just like, what? Like, okay, all right, we're supposed to believe that you guys are beating the crap out of each other. We're supposed to suspend our disbelief, but this is fucking ridiculous, like, and I felt so bad for Seth the champion because people are just going to hate him now. He didn't do anything. He just was doing whatever. And now his move looks absolutely stupid because he couldn't keep the guy down with like 10 of them back to back to back to back to back. And, yeah, I don't know. I can't believe they were chanting AEW. Like, that's that's fucking just dumb. Oh, God, I'm just – I'm over it, Luke. I'm fucking over it. Yeah, I just I just imagine Vince McMahon in the background. I mean, the in the backstage hearing fans chant AEW, he'd be like, AEW, AEW, flip something and try to act like he's going to ban fans. Him and James Dolan, I don't think you know him, but he's the owner of the Knicks. They're probably good friends just trying to figure out how he can ban all these fans or something like that, doing something dumb, just getting mad that they're the fans are doing that to him. Uh, yeah, I could totally see that uh, they're a similar personality. Um, yeah, but another cool thing, though, that happened Friday that's kind of related that uh, you might be more in tuned with is uh, they, they did have their premiere show on SmackDown. It was on Fox, going for more sports-oriented type of feel. And uh, Cain Velasquez, uh, UFC, um, honestly, when it comes to heavyweights, he might be pound for pound one of the best heavyweight champions of all time. He actually beat Brock Lesnar legitimately yes Brock had um issues uh involving diverticulitis at the time that it's he still fucking beat him and I mean he's he's ran rough shop throughout most of the heavyweights in the division he recently went and started training I believe at Rey Mysterio's um wrestling academy and he's had a couple matches over at AAA which is Mexico's biggest wrestling outlet and the guy for his size Luke does luchador shit like he's doing hurricane ranas and jumping out to the outside and then he also looks obviously devastating inside the ring because he's a real mma fighter but he showed up at the end after brock which the one thing that sucks another thing that just happened that like fans were like are you fucking kidding me we had kofi kingston first african-american uh wwe champion ever (laughs) won it at wrestlemania he had six good months of a good reign but instead of giving him some offense in the fucking match he literally jumps into a fisherman's carry of Brock Lesnar, and Brock Lesnar F5s him and pins him in less than 10 seconds and gets the belt. So that was already fucking frustrating. But then Cain Velasquez comes out, gets in Brock's face. You know, Brock kind of shows fear and gets the hell out of there, so that's cool. And then they had Tyson Fury, ex, um, 
heavyweight champion in boxing. He might still be the uh, heavyweight champion. I'm not 100% sure. But he showed up, and there was an audience thing where him and Braun Strowman, this wrestler, kind of got face-to-face, and they were, like, you know, talking shit to each other. And then he knocked a wrestler into him and spilled a drink on him. So there was this big bullshit thing and angle set up. But either way, it seems like, you know, there there might be um, – some sports figures that might kind of shuffle in and out for programs with SmackDown, with Fox Sports being the one who owns it. And um, I find that interesting. I know that some fans and purists bitch about that, but I think they're fucking idiots <laughs> because it's like you can think that all the wrestlers come from indie wrestling, but some of the best wrestlers have been ex-football players, ex-basketball players, ex-wrestlers like fucking Brock Lesnar, for instance, uh, obviously boxers, what what have you. So, I think if you get personalities to come in, you know, even even the small one they did with Gronk back in the day or having Big Show and Floyd Mayweather have a match at WrestleMania, I think it's entertaining. And WWE has kind of built themselves off of this with Mr. T and, and um, all these – the fridge was involved, Lawrence Taylor, so many sports figures. But uh, when you heard about Cain Velasquez, did you hear that from me or did you hear that from some outlet related to ESPN or some shit talking about that? No, I, I saw it from some outlet um, seeing them on, and um, I don't have a problem with it, especially, you know, Kane's not one of those ones where I could see, you know, if you're kind of mad if it's like, you know, <clears throat> Gronk kind of being the football player and all that, and you don't really see that because you're just, like, really tall, but, like, Kane's an actual fighter. Like, he is an actual heavyweight champion in a sport where it's not, you know, it's it's full on, so he knows how to, like, throw everything, and he can definitely, you know, maneuver it. it was, Interesting that you were saying that he's doing the, um, you know, the luchador stuff, like, you know, all the acrobats because, you know, he's very big. But I don't have a problem with that. They definitely know how to scrap. Uh, very probably easy to teach. I can just see Fox, um, the entity that they are, um, wanting to get these names. Um, yeah, it's going to make any purist mad because, you know, I mean, they're just purists in all sports and they're just very hard to cope with. You know, they don't understand the times and you you got to progress, but. I can understand if Fox put a bunch of money into this, they're going to get all these characters from these different sports. You know, you're going to probably see a bunch of like whatever the off season are for these sports, you know, whoever's got the biggest personality. Cause <clears throat> Fox is probably seeing it like this. Like you, you have your, you have your fans, you know, you have your peers that are never going to leave. You have your fans that, you know, that are dedicated that like, and all that. And then you want to get these other fans that, so you're treating you like you're going after certain, um, figures that, you know, you hear someone that's going to be on wrestling, and you're like, oh, hey, you know, um, really love him. You know, I'd love to see, you know, him outside of a sports world, see what, you know, they could do. So um, definitely could see them going with it. Uh, I would, I mean, I would definitely try to get some basketball stars in there too, um, just because they, there's some personalities, you know, in basketball that, you know, Jimmy Butler would be one I know, you know keep up with them, but he's just got this personality where he just uh, works very hard, but people can kind of, like, hate him and all that, and I could see him just being a, a really good heel, you know. So you have some sports figures that, like, you know, in their own sports, they're a heel, and they love it just because they're superstars, and why not, you know, bring them over to uh, another entity that, especially as Fox putting money into it, you know, get gain more popularity. It's not like they're going to be champions and be on the showcase for six months, just have them in and out, you know, here and there, and you know, just gain, you know, gain more popularity. You know, you might get another fan that stays with wrestling because they watched the whole event and they actually ended up enjoying the whole event. So, you know, I don't see any, I don't see anything wrong with it. It's silly because, uh, oh my God, wrestling fans, Luke, are like, 
like MCU fans, or, or not MCU fans, like comic book movie fans. Like it's a very toxic situation, and um, you know they they were pissed that Ronda Rousey was a part of it, and she wasn't the best person on the mic, but she brought this presence. And Kurt Angle said the same thing, like. I don't understand, like, you know, you watch sports, people understand the athleticism, they're, they're watching that. Well, when you get to a sports entertainment type of concept like wrestling, you know, it's like they're more wrapped up sometimes in the entertainment. And Ronda picked up professional wrestling like it was nothing. Like Kurt Angle said that she was ridiculous. And a lot of people compared her to Kurt because he was able to go from Olympic-style wrestling and trans, you know, go right over to wrestling like it was no problem, like figured it all out. And she was doing a great job. They just fucking hated on her because she wasn't a WWE or she wasn't a wrestling personality. And very silly. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's never going to happen. But if I could have LeBron James do a program with someone, fuck yeah, get the king in there, man. I want to see that shit. You know, I mean, that's to me like you can have a big fight feel. You can see some some personalities that kind of, you know, in certain realms, like a like a uh, like a McGregor, you know, brings that wrestling element to them, and they already kind of know it. Uh, because a lot of them, like LeBron, like McGregor, were wrestling fans when they fucking grew up. So they kind of have that type of personality. They know that they're a star. And I think that's fun. Like like you said, if they don't get the title and they're they're part of something, like Floyd Mayweather was, like like I said, when he went against Big Show, like who gives a f- – they're so finicky, Luke. It just – it drives me crazy. But um, let's, let's keep in the realms with Cain Velasquez. Um, I didn't get to see it. But uh, I was really excited because I loved uh, Israel's first match against Anderson Silva. And, you know, he went against uh, Robert Whitaker. It was Israel Adancia. Oh, man, I'm going to fuck that up. Uh, but this dude is fucking money. Not, he reminds me of Anderson Silva. I saw the highlights of the match. I know it didn't last that long. I think it was in the second round it was over. But a lot of people said you had half and half. You had a lot of people, Luke, on one side that were like, this guy is going to be one of the next big ones. And a lot of people are like, no, he's just all hype. And he unified the titles and beat Robert uh, Whitaker. Uh, yeah, in the second round, three minutes and 33 seconds into it with a KO. This guy's fucking nuts. Him and Anderson Silva just were so – and Anderson's a lot older, so it was impressive on his end too. But they were so evenly matched during their match. This guy really kind of has something different about him. Did you watch uh, the fight Saturday night? I just watched their fight um, just because I do like him a lot. Uh, like you said, um, I kind of picked up on him right before he fought Anderson. And, of course, you know, I, I definitely watched that whole fight because Anderson's just always been my favorite uh, fighter. So I definitely want to see that fight. And um, like you said, it was a great fight between them. Um, you know, saw a lot of the, uh, potential in the kid. Um, when he knocked out Whitaker, I was kind of surprised because um, – he he's a really good fighter, but uh, doesn't mind taking shots to, and bouncing back. Because if you watch the knockout, Whitaker hits him with a good right, and he counters with it with his own. But it's just like sometimes you got to watch out for like you know taking a hit like that. But he's a, a tremendously fun to watch. Uh, I can't believe that he jumped on to the stands and then to the next guy up in the uh, Costa was out in the fa- um, watching the fight, and he just gave him a double FU and then called him a Ricky Martin guy. So I thought that was a, a really fun. But, um, Damn. Yeah, no, he, yeah, no, um, he, he's electric. Um, he's just, he's just one of those fighters that you just watch, and it just, he can, 
He can do a lot of different things. He can change the style of fighting. You know, he doesn't mind going to the ground. Uh, he can fight both ways, I want to say. You know, it's just definitely with the speed, his hands, and it's just it's always fun when you get an electric fighter like that. And, and he's definitely selling himself, too. I mean, definitely, you know, calling out the next guy, you know, helping out UFC. So it was exciting, um, you know, to actually see him go in and get the knockout for the belt. What weight division is he in? This one's middleweight, so I was really surprised that McGregor, because I heard McGregor was kind of like, you know, saying some stuff too, which I was surprised because I'm like, McGregor's a little bit smaller than him, which would be a good fight because, you know, McGregor's going to sell anything, and I feel like both of them can sell a fight, but um, just a little bit bigger uh, for McGregor's weight. Actually, I want to say McGregor's the one right below that, and then there's, but yeah, so he's just slightly bigger. So do you think that's the money match then the future is trying to build up to McGregor versus Israel since he's probably, I'm assuming, well, I don't know because I don't know if Khabib is actually the weight class lower than them or if he's also in the same Well, yeah, no, so Khabib is is McGregor's weight class. So I don't think they would do McGregor unless, you know, there's some things. I mean, you could do Khabib fighting McGregor again, um, even if you wanted to do Khabib versus Israel. um, Right now, though, the the middleweight class is in a really good spot. I mean, like I said, they, Ryan Whitaker is probably going to get his fight uh, his chance again. I mean, he's a good fighter. Um, Costa, who he called out, a uh, really good fighter. Um, and then Costa's last match, uh, um, you know, to get him in these contentions. I can't think of the 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 fiery fought, but he's another guy who's just the middleweight class right now has some fighters where I think that Israel will have to defend his belt and do some things before they, you know, they want to do some mismatching between, you know, weight classes and all that. But I could definitely see if McGregor wanted to come back. But if McGregor comes back, you can't, you can't run away from Khabib who beat you last and really kind of just really just made you look really bad. Just, just dominated. Look terrible. So if McGregor's, if McGregor's coming back for anyone, I know he's just keeping his, his face and, and the, you know, and, you know, just making sure people don't forget him, calling out everyone. But if you're coming back, you got to fight Khabib. Like, McGregor, there's no excuse for you to go up to Israel and go up a weight class when Khabib whooped, just beat you, manhandled you. So <laughs> try to be the guy in your weight class. Yeah, no shit, man. And I'm sure some of that will happen. But this guy definitely is another dude that's really pulling my attention back to UFC. I, I, I like his style. I like how cocky and arrogant he is. He does remind me a lot of Anderson you know, in, in the, uh, in the ring and a lot of the stuff that he chooses. And, uh, I think he'll just be good for the sport, man. I, I, I think that the UFC needs guys like this, uh, because I'm sorry, but like, I love people like, uh, like two of the biggest wrestling or two of the biggest wrestling, two of the biggest UFC stars were, you know, Conor McGregor and John Jones, and they still are arguably, but they've both not been the most credible people for different reasons, you know, in the past. So, even though they're they're money makers, it's like it's good to see some fresh blood kind of taking out a transition and and throwing it into the future, basically. Any uh, closing statements about this before we move on, Broski? No, I'm just uh, kind of excited the way uh, UFC's back. I mean, definitely it kind of hit some slow years, or in my mind, hit some slow years. You know, um, about five years ago, but I feel like as of lately. Each weight class has a lot of good talents and um, a lot of good champions uh, holding each of the belts. So I think UFC is in another good place right now. 
Absolutely. We'll have to, uh, you know, stay tuned to see what happens. Our next uh, conversation piece, if you will, before we get into this review of Joker, which we will be getting to and breaking down. But before we do that, I want to talk about um, something that's coming back. And it's only a little pinch of it, but still, it is coming back. That's right. If you haven't heard, Rick and Morty's coming back. Uh, It's only for five episodes, and it's on November 10th. But we are getting five episodes, and then they're going to, I guess, take a break and then release the other five. I think it's ten total within the season. But either fucking way, you know, we're going to have some more Rick and Morty episodes. Uh, It's one of my favorite shows, like especially comedic-style shows, like not even saying it's an animation. To me, Rick and Morty kind of goes above that, much like South Park does, where they have a lot more intelligence with what they're talking about. Like, it's not just a a silly cartoon. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the show come back. I mean, I love the last season. I've loved – I've watched every episode way too many damn times. Like, there are certain animated shows that I can watch over and over again. That, South Park, Bob's Burgers – you know, if I'm falling asleep, Family Guy is always a good thing to kind of doze off to, you know. And I've watched them a million times, and they're still funny. But Rick and Morty just has, like, even more so than South Park, they just have a very creative, different way of going about, especially with their comedy. Um, almost more like always sunny than just being so cynical about modern society, if you will. But, Luke, I know that you're excited about this. Um, I feel like I'm starting to talk like Rick on accident because my my voice is a little bit hoarse. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a cough drop, but uh, well, what do you think about this whole thing? No, man, I'm so excited, way overdue, way way overdue. I know when the last season three ended, it was kind of you know we were at that 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 year where it was like, man, no Game of Thrones for a year, and, and there's gonna be no Rick and Morty, and then Game of Thrones came and went, and it's just like, man, it's been over a year. Like, what's happening? Like, how how do you not have any shows though? Extremely excited, way overdue. I mean, I think I've watched that small little trailer clip. I mean, three times in a row. Um, just, just seeing just some funny things. Um, really excited. I'm a little bummed out. That's only going to be five episodes. I don't know if this is like a Cartoon Network thing where they're kind of seeing it being November 10th. I know right around. So if you give it five, right around the Christmas, New Year's times, all after like all TV shows in general just do their mid, you know, they don't have anything going on. They're in a mid series right there. So if that's the only reason, but it's uh, long overdue, I'm really excited. Like you said, um, it's more than an animated show. I mean, a lot of people will just like see it and just be like, Oh, this is foul. You know, I don't really understand what's going on, but if you really just sit down and if you're like an intellect and you actually like understand things and, and really can like process things and see how, like comical it is when you know they can be really clever and like write these things in and just like relate it to some things so i'm really interested to see <clears throat> rick and morty this year it's like like you said then in south park right now uh you know south park's always going to be one it's going to be always hard to compete but rick and morty do a great job also on the south park note um i don't know if you watched last week's episode but uh due to last week's episode china has banned and completely deleted South Park from the internet. <laughs> no fucking way. Yeah, dude, oh they got God. banned in China. <laughs> oh wow, that was such a fucked up episode. I watched Randy. Spoiler warning: I watched Randy choke Winnie the Pooh to death. Like, 
What the hell was that? That was such a funny oh. episode. And they're just Amazing so intelligent. Episode. You know what I can't stand, Luke, though? Is all these people that are bitching about it being like the, the episodes connecting, how they liked like individual episodes. Like, they just have continuity between them, and they're still doing individual fucking things. Like, just shut up. Like, I, I love this style. It's different. They've, they've tried it the last couple of years, but I've liked it. I, I really was a big fan of uh, PC um, Principal. I thought he was fucking ridiculously stupid character. And uh, some of the themes they're going for now, it's like Randy lives on the pot farm. You know, and they're doing that whole thing at the beginning, and I don't know. I I I thought that Mexican Joker was a funny fucking episode and just ridiculous, and I just loved how Kyle was saying like you could turn someone into the next Joker by doing this type of shit to them. It's traumatic. Like what the fuck? These are kids, and then the cops are like, wait a minute. So who's Mexican Joker? Who can we figure it out? And like you get to see it. Like the way that they approach stuff and just go balls deep into shit. They had fucking. Oh my god. This sounds bad if you don't watch South Park, but they had shootings start off in the background of the sound in every episode last season's where the first episode was about school shootings. Like they don't give a fuck and it's awesome because I think we get to reap into the benefits of, of watching something and you can say that it's 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 crash and it's crude and whatever, but if you just get it and you realize that they're just talking about society and making fun of it and spinning it on its head I love South Park, and yeah, that whole episode was hilarious with China and Randy going over there with with weed and like trying not realizing that if you go through fucking customs at China with a suitcase of weed, you're probably gonna get fucking arrested. Um, just just funny shit, and I can't believe that China banned it. That's that's amazing. I'm sure that they patted each other on the shoulder after that. Oh, that's like an award for them. Like I don't think China understands that. Like. <laughs> That's like the greatest thing ever for both of the writers, you know, that, dude, we just made fun of just China and their sense of banning it. I really love in the middle of the episode, they're really like, no, you need to look it up. The Winnie the Pooh was banned in China for people saying it looked like the president, which is like too funny because they were just dragging on that joke. And then it was just like, no, really, you need to look this up. And then they end up getting banned. Um, yeah, like you said, that, that scene of, of Randy just <laughs> murdering Winnie and oh I love afterwards where Stan's Stan. sitting at the dinner table with them and he's like, Dad, why are you covered in honey and blood? Did you murder Winnie the Pooh? And he's just like, oh, 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 no, yeah, Winnie the Pooh, yeah, yeah, I murdered him. Oh, we <laughs> forgot like, about the best part. about it. So, so <laughs> Stan is now full of angst and he makes a fucking band with the rest of them and they're hate-breed. They're the band hate-breed but they're doing like, you know, instead of like having the normal guy sing, Butters is doing the other thing, but they're doing like death metal. I think they I think I think they said it was Hatebreed. It was some other like death metal ish band, but oh my god, when they started doing that, it was hilarious. And when it connected at the end after he was like, Dad, did you kill Winnie the Pooh? And he's like, you know, yeah. And he walks off and he's like, Where are you going? And he's like, I'm gonna go write some more songs about you. Oh, cool. Like I just love Randy and how stupid he is of a fucking character and that band shit. Just made me laugh my ass off, especially Butters in it. Oh yeah, Butters always one of the great um, characters, and yeah, that band that caught me by surprise. I I laughed so hard when they were a death metal band, and I love too when Randy um, he's going to China, and you know they're trying to make him feel bad for missing the show, and he makes Stan forcibly wear the Tegrity shirt on stage so he can uh, make sure that it gets <laughs> out there because you need a little bit of Tegrity. And so did China need a little bit of integrity, so 
Randy gave integrity after murdering Winnie the Pooh. Oh, man, brought integrity to China. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, South Park. Thank you, Rick and Morty, for keeping us widely entertained. And uh, another thing that widely entertained both me and my brother, because we watched it together and we discussed things, is our next subject. And we're going to review The Joker, or Joker, or whatever the hell you call it, from Todd Phillips, starring Joaquin Phoenix and Zazie Beetz. Um, I think there were a couple other people in there. Probably some, oh, Robert De Niro, obviously, Mark Maron. But... It's basically Joaquin Phoenix's film, and I want to go into this. We're going to kind of like, you know, open up the discussion of our beginning thoughts, going into it and everything. We'll talk a little bit of, you know, uh, the direction of like certain beats in it, maybe talk a little bit about stuff maybe that we didn't like, if you will, which I don't have a lot to say on that front. Uh, I think that most of it's going to be stuff that we did like, like the big events that happened to it. And then kind of break it down of like, you know, the question is who's, you know, your top favorite jokers and stuff like that. And where does this rank and uh, Joaquin Phoenix as a whole, what we thought of the movie as a whole. And then uh, we'll talk about a little bit about controversy and all that shit. So just to give you guys a breakdown of how we're going to do this, but um, just to open it up, I thought this was a really, really good take on the character. Um, this is a very disturbing movie to watch, uh, very much in the vein of, I would say, um, well, Taxi Driver, definitely. Uh, there was a lot of that in there from Scorsese. And, um, you know, I would say One Hour Photo also with uh, with uh, Robin Williams, uh, another one that was really hard to watch at certain parts. Like, it made you feel it's very similar to the way that you feel when you watch the first couple seasons of The Office. And for a very different reason, and it's not because it's not funny, but sometimes Michael Scott would start saying stuff that made you feel embarrassed almost, like, and you were like, all right, this is getting too much. I think the Joker hits that approach a lot because within it, Arthur Fleck is this tragic character who is very mentally unstable. He's trying to help out his mom. He loves being a clown. And you can tell that he knows he's not all there. Like, he's definitely sociopathic. Um, and just has visions even that get displayed throughout the whole entire thing. And he's really battling mental illness, and he doesn't have a lot of money, so stuff gets tight, and you kind of see the descent of someone going slowly and slowly mad, basically. And by the end of it, it's the beginning stages, and he's very similar to how you would perceive the Joker to be from the comic books. And it's actually a very intelligent, well-thought-out performance. Uh, I've heard criticism uh, I think some of the criticism uh, with if if it's if, if 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 your criticism if it's too over the top or or whatever or you know something on those lines whatever you know all this is film fans film subjective acting style subjective so I get that I have less of a problem with that than the stuff that we'll talk about later with the idea that this film could influence people to do bad shit that to me is fucking just ludicrous. But either way, I thought this was an excellent film. It's not a comic book movie. This movie, much like Logan and much like The Dark Knight, if you took certain elements out, and I'll even say for what I'm about to say, maybe not on the same level of film quality, but like Winter Soldier. Those movies, if you took out certain elements, like if you made The Dark Knight an espionage film where it's, he's you know a, not really a vigilante, but you know he's not Batman basically – 
it still works by itself as a film. You know, it just has that superhero backdrop on it. And kind of that whole trilogy really did. Uh, if you look at the Captain America, the, uh, the Winter Soldier, take away he's Captain America. It's a fucking a political crime thriller. It really isn't anything besides that. Uh, Logan, I mean, and especially that movie, a lot of people, if you don't even know what the hell's going in and you just see Logan, you watch it, don't know anything about the X-Men, you might never figure out that he's Wolverine. You could be like, what the hell's coming out of his hands? But, you know, you, you see what I'm trying to say. This movie is very similar in that aspect. It just kind of, it's it's uh, there for you to interpret, but it's about an actual fictional character that a lot of people are kind of fascinated by, including me. But, uh, Luke, uh, I'm going to ramble too much, and I want you to be able to get out your first thoughts on The Joker uh, as a film and what you think about it. Because you saw it Friday and Saturday night, so you must have liked it to some extent, right? Oh, phenomenal. <clears throat> phenomenal movie all around from beginning to end. Um, character development was just spot on. I mean, it's it's one thing that, you know, I mean – it's a criticism that, you know, people are walking out, but that's another good thing about, like, a good character development movie. You're not wanting to see the downward spiral of this guy, but going into this movie, people have to know, first off, before we get into the Joker thing, Gotham City is, like, a, like, it's a fictional city that really takes everything terrible in, like, every city out there. It's not one specific, it's not trying to mimic a New York or anything, it's literally taking every bad thing in every city and putting it in one, you know, the, the police corruption, uh, politics, you know, just everything. And so the whole city of, uh, in general is just a terrible place and all that. So you got to already going into that knowing, like, you know, this isn't a real place, you know, it's not. But it's just like a really like the worst kind of like city to be in right now. And then, too, with Joker's character, like you said, you, you've been fascinated by it. Um, plenty of people have been fascinated. It's just Joker's character is just one of those ones where it's just he it's just pure evil. He has no motive. He doesn't care about money. He doesn't care. He just wants chaos. He loves chaos and all that. I mean, there's plenty of way worse, you know, ones than this. I mean, the killing joke was a very, you know, sinister kind of comic and, uh, you know, graphic movie that they made. So coming into that, you know, you should already have that you know, feel of, like, this is not going to be your handy-dandy thing. Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of bad seeing a demise of a, you know, a person, especially like you were saying at the beginning, you know, Arthur really trying to, you know, just be this genuine person, try to take care of his mom, where he knows he kind of has some things where he's battling with it, but he's, you know, he's trying to cope with, the you know, the two, but with society just, you know, the way that it is, and then I just, at the end where his character just like has changed, it's done a complete 180 and just his whole, like the way he's holding himself and like, you know, just his whole like view of things is just changing. And I just thought it was really amazing. And I wanted to see this for a second time too, just because there was a lot of things like, it is one of those movies, like, you know, a lot of things get revealed and you're like, Oh, whoa. And it's like one of those ones where it's like, now I kind of want to watch it for a second time, knowing these, things that they're going to reveal to me knowing like, Hey, this is a heads up and all that. And kind of like seeing it from a second perspective, you know, kind of already knowing all the things that are going to surprise me. So I just, you know, still thought it was amazing the second time. Um, you know, it is got some pretty, you know, gut, you know, wrenching kind of moments. It's like one of those ones where, um, I know you're trying to compare movies where like recently, um, me and a roommate, uh, a buddy of mine saw Midsummer, and it's like that movie, 
they're nowhere compared. So let me just say that. But it's like that movie has a lot of visually disturbing scenes. It's not a scary movie, but it's a lot of scenes that are just like visually disturbing where this one I think was emotionally disturbing where it's like you're, it kind of is like, you know, hitting, you know, for some people, but um, I thought it was a well done, um, just really good. I love the, um, you know, the cinematics of like, you know, how they make Gotham just look and all that. And, you know, DC's just always been a dark, gritty kind of, you know, like they're not Marvel where Marvel's just all like happy, go lucky and all that. DC's always been that dark, gritty. So I really thought that they did a good job. Like you said, this one is not a superhero movie. You're, it's a, it's, you know, you're getting an origin of a character, but like you said, if, if you were to give him another name and he would have never been a, a comic book fan, it would still be a great movie just about, you know, this downward demise of this person that's about to just become one of the most sinister people in comic books. I mean, I don't really, I mean, you know more comic book villains than I do, but I mean, what villain is really compared to Joker and just being so sinister and just pure, just evil, just like motive is just evil. So I thought he did a great job. Um, Man, Phoenix is definitely going to win an award. I was telling you, Dane, before this, uh, that just like his whole body transformation that he did, um, his twerks is just everything that he did was just so spot on. And I just loved it. Just like his dance movements, like his just like how skinny he was and how he was able to manipulate his shoulder blades, just like the different like types of things like that. Like that, that was kind of disturbing and all that. And just like, I mean, I, I just think it's a it's a really, really well done movie. Yeah, I do too. And uh I couldn't get smile out of my head after watching that. Like, you know, they kept on going back to that old school like um, you know, jazz uh swing song from back in the day. And yeah, I just I it's it's really presented very well done. It borrows a lot from the killing joke in the sense of the origin. Uh, now it doesn't do the whole red hood thing, but he has a very similar concept where he's a struggling poor dude. Doesn't have shit. I think in the killing joke, he had a whole family. This one, he obviously just has a mother Tries to stand up as this red hood character completely fucks up. They throw shit at him. He gets out of there. We know that they made it a lot more realistic, but they also brought, um, aspects. And I was hoping they were going to do this with the ending scene with him and Robert De Niro very reflecting off of The Dark Knight, uh, The Dark Knight Returns, I mean, um, which is animated, two-parter, but obviously off the Frank Miller graphic novel from before that, uh, in which he was on a talk show and Joker, you know, is on there because of a popularity concept, and he fucking, well, he kills the whole audience and the host, but this, obviously, he just killed Robert De Niro. Oh, by the way, if you didn't get into this, uh, this is a spoiler. I mean, I think we kind of established that. We're, we're doing a whole entire review on this. But, uh, yeah, um, I don't know why you're listening if you didn't see it. And we're talking about the Joker. So there you go. But, um, yeah, pretty sure I went over that already. But it just – it was extremely good, man. I love the twist that I kind of saw coming, but I'm happy because it would have aggravated me. Zazie Beats is gorgeous. And to me, the creepy interactions I saw with her and Arthur did not make sense of why all of a sudden, you know, she would be into him. And it's revealed, and it's kind of like a part where you really start realizing, like, oh, he's fucking out of his mind. He completely solved that in his head, and he shows up at her apartment, 
and she's asking him to leave, and it just kind of flashes back and shows you those parts where she's really not there. So he was so out of my, his mind that I guess he started kind of going, I guess, schizophrenic. You could tell at the beginning when he pretended that he was on uh, De Niro's uh, late-night show. He kind of envisioned that all in his head, which is fantasizing. That's normal. But then to create a whole relationship and at the end to be in her place, and we don't really – I mean, you know, we saw the ambulance in the window go by, but we never had a confirmation that he did something, all of us assuming that he did. We just know that Joker, there was there was this element that maybe this, maybe he's making up certain parts of this. Like, I think that was definite, though, obviously, with her. But uh, how, how did you like this that reveal, Luke? Because I remember you looking at me to get my reaction as soon as it happened. Oh, no, I thought it was a great reveal. Um, I didn't see it coming. Uh, I kind of thought it was weird at first. I was like, this is kind of weird that she's kind of falling for him. But, you know, I was like, you know, maybe they're trying to make the Joker seem like, you know, it wasn't that bad of a person. You know, he can, maybe he's dealing with these issues, but maybe, you know, he can withstand a relationship. Like, when he first meets her in the elevator, she's like, this building sucks, and then she mimics blowing her brains out, and then, he weirdly enough doesn't say anything, and then a good like eight minutes later, which has to be like the most like awkward exchanges, decides that he should like call back to her and do his own shooting his brains out kind of mimic thing, which was really creepy. But so um, I didn't really see it coming um, that she wasn't there. I kind of always thought it was you know strange, but I was like you know maybe they're just like in this bullshit shithole of place trying to make it through this dump and just make it through life. And maybe that's why she sees, because, you know, maybe she's just a good person that, you know, one of the only good people in Gotham. Maybe that's why he made her up always in his mind. Cause it's like the one last good thing that he sees in Gotham is maybe just, you know, this chance of like, you know, him really getting to know her. But uh, yeah, like you were saying, the whole shot to the ambulance, I believe that he did um, just because, his whole uh, thing with being able to laugh is that he doesn't know how to control his emotions. And I think at that point in time, he's um, definitely, it's, he's, he's already lost it. He's gone full blown into just like, just losing it. And I think that it's just overwhelming. And that's why he's just in his, that whole scene of he's on that couch and really having uncontrollable laughter and all that's because he's, really just gone into the deep end. I think he just killed that part, that last good thing in, in his mind where Gotham was good and just completely into the sinister character, which from that point on, he's just amazing, just uh, really getting into the Joker. And from that moment on is when, and it's kind of like from then on, you're really seeing the Joker character, like the whole movie it's, you know, it's like the character development of Arthur, but then from that, I think from that moment on is when he is fully committed into being the Joker and just changed his whole mindset of just everything that's not this guy that's going to get pushed around anymore and anything where he's just saying, fuck it and fuck everything. Nothing's going to get better and I'm just going to just, just go with it and just completely just be chaos as a person and and, and, you know, I don't want to cause other people to do chaos. You know, I don't have – I'm not going out there and making, like, statements that they need to do. But, hell, if they follow behind me, I'm going to love it 100%. Some people just want to watch the world burn, Master Bruce. Yeah, I, I think that what Joker has is a lot of villains lately, especially in comic book films, where they give us a level of empathy. 
for someone as, as fucked up as the Joker. You know, at the beginning when he's Arthur, before he becomes obviously the Joker, before he's named by De Niro's character, obviously, um, you know, you feel bad for him and you, you kind of relate to him. And I think that Thanos had that effect, as fucked up as that is. He kind of had that. You even felt bad for him in Endgame when they find him at the beginning of it, and he's kind of just all broken down about it. Um, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Killmonger had that in Black Panther, where he's a product of his environment, and he was left in this shitty situation and kind of you know outcast from his original society, and that caused the buildup of anger. Magneto is a very good example of that. Uh, Magneto, I think, is one of the best tragic villains because – you can empathize for him because he watched all that horrific stuff with his parents and the Holocaust and realized how shitty humans were. And then when he was out of being a mutant, he was like, screw this. I'm going to use my power and I'm going to make sure my race is safe and all those humans can fuck off, basically. And you never, ever would think they'd be able to do that with the Joker. But they did. And they did it extremely well. You know, you were talking about like crazy villains. Look, not even Norman Osborn is as crazy as a Joker. The only person I can think of equivalent, and I can't wait now that Andy Serkis is directing Venom 2 and he's getting played by Woody Harrelson, but Carnage, Cletus Cassidy, was a psycho. But he was more of like just like I like to murder people. Like he's obsessed. He's like a sociopath. Joker is a very, very different concept. He's a deep, deep, you know, mess of things. And, I, you know, I love Heath Ledger's performance as a Joker. And it's not a knock at him, but I thought that he was more of an agent of of anarchy. Um, and this Joker seems like it's just pure chaos. Like, there's no even – he doesn't give a fuck. Like, he's just trying to be who he is, and everyone's kind of following the lead. And, you know, when he kills those little uh, D-bags that kind of were – I don't know. They were, they were kind of proposing like they were going to go and take advantage of that girl until she ran off because he was laughing. Um, and he shoots the one, and that's when you see the, sh- the switch, Luke. It's like he shoots that one guy, and it was all in self-defense, and then he's like – he kills the other guy, and then he's like, fuck this. And that co- triggers this downward spiral, spiral of him killing people. I mean, I, I'll, I'm going to let you go first before you start talking about when he you know, offs his mom and stuff, but I think that was the big beginning is when on that train, it started off with self-defense, and then he liked it, and he, uh, he killed that last guy in cold blood, shot him in the back, and was dancing afterwards. No, yeah, that was definitely the moment of the movie where um, I think that he realized that that moment where killing someone wasn't a bad thing, and actually to him it was a great overwhelming feeling of joy and relief. Like it was a relief. It was like a big rock off of his back like he literally at that point on was just like fuck everyone fuck how i've been walked on you know when he's when he's at the clown school uh, where he worked at and all that and he walked on up there and i just think at that moment in time he said fuck it and then they had that really you know grimacing scene where he's in the bathroom and he's kind of doing a like interesting dance but it's just like really kind of like it's kind of almost like poetic like you know kind of like it, it's it's crazy to think, but it's like you know you're seeing this like uh, a, like a serial killer um, about to like you know fall in love with uh, you know that you know murder, and they they don't see anything wrong with it. I mean, he hints to it in the movie too, where he's at um, Arkham Asylum, and he's trying to get the the notes, and he's talking to the clerk, and he's telling he's saying like 
yeah, the other day, you know, I took out some stress on three guys, and I thought it was going to be a lot worse. I was going to feel a lot worse than I did, but actually, surprisingly, I didn't feel bad at all. And I just think, like, you know, like you were saying, at that moment on where that's where he realized where he's just like, maybe death and murder isn't a bad thing, and, you know, maybe it can be acted as a good thing. Yeah, man. And uh, there's a lot of quotes in this movie. I have a website up in front of me, but I I remember him saying like, you know, to the social worker, she was trying to calm him down and she was like, try not to have such negative thoughts. And he was like, but all my, my thoughts are negative. Like there was a lot of parts where, you know, he was, he didn't want, you could, you could tell he didn't want to be this person uh, when he asked for more medication from her. And she's like, you're already on seven fucking different meds and he's like I just don't want to feel so bad anymore like you feel bad for him and then one of my favorite quotes from this in a very very messed up way he visits his mother who he find out he found out was originally trying to keep from him that he was the son of Thomas Wayne the illegitimate son of Thomas Wayne uh, but that was actually a lie you know she was actually really batshit crazy herself and he was adopted so when he finds that out and also, we never really had a resolution if that was true. Everything was kind of proven in front of us, but that was still kind of open-ended itself, which is interesting, especially what he does to Bruce through the gate, how creepy that was with, like, putting his fingers in his mouth. Uh, but when he goes back to his mother and he says, um, I used to think that my life was a tragedy, but now I realize it's a comedy. And after explaining to his mom, who's kind of, like, in and out of it, that he knows – he knows that he was adopted and that she was crazy, and then he just fucking smothers her with a pillow real quick. And once again, you see this relief come out of him after he kills her. And then he gets the hell out of there. Then when he goes back, we think that he killed Zazie Beats, maybe even her daughter. And then we had the uh, two gentlemen that used to work with him, the, um, the little person, and then the, the bigger guy that, that was the one who gave him the pistol in the first place um, that kind of, kind of ratted him out to their, their, their boss. And, um, about the pistol uh, in the first place, and he fucking stabs the shit out of him, and you know the 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 little person thinks that he's gonna get killed, and he's like, "You've always been nice to me. You've always been a good friend." And we had that one awkward scene where he had to go and like un- undo the latch and let him out, and I think that was very smart uh, of the director Todd Phillips to do that because there was so much tension in this movie. There were little scenes that were slightly comedic that kind of like all right, cool, I can get back, you know, down to normal. But, Luke, that, I think that was one of the most, uh, one of the craziest scenes is when he just smothers his mom and, and he's like, fuck it. Crazy. No, yeah, I mean, that scene was definitely um, riveting. I think that was his final goodbye to Arthur um, in general, where he's kind of being like, you know, as always this dramatic kind of person where, you know, I thought it was such a tragedy to be in life, but now that's Arthur dead who, you know, this whole lie that you basically done. Um, and also too, I mean, you know, that you saw when he read the files too, that he had traumatic head injuries too. So it's like, he's kind of seeing that a lot of these issues that he has, that he's, these demons that he's, they're not something that, you know, they he was kind of born with that, like she had, they're kind of, almost induced by her and her lover at that time. So it's kind of just been like, you know, this whole time it's just a comedy where I just thought like all these demons that are just like born with and I'm having a battle, but yet it's a comedy because, you know, it's not really my, 
you know, it's not all my fault, like, you know, that uh, some of these things are like my condition of laughing is not my, is not my fault and all that. And, um, I thought, um, the scene where he kills the fat guy, um, is one of the best scenes. Um, I thought it was just amazing. Just, uh, it just jumps at you. You don't, I mean, you know, he's going to kill him just because the whole time you just like, I, even when at the beginning, when he like said that, like where he's getting fired, he's like, Oh, Hey, um, I still owe you for that thing. And then he punches the things like, I need to clock out one more time, but I just knew he was going to kill him. But when he just jumps at him and, and kills him and it's just like blood and he's just sitting there all casual and he just has it all over him. And he's got that, his face is painted, but he's got blood all over him. And he's just, He's not even freaking out. He's just almost calm, and the poor little guy is just like, oh, so you killed him. And he's like, oh, what, that? And he's like, no, no, don't worry about that. <laughs> and I love yeah, that, yeah, like, even when he's, like, letting him walk by, he jumps at him and makes him jump. It's just, like, a little, like, throwing a little comedic in there. But it's just, like, like you're saying, like, the director, it's a very graphic, very, you know, intense scene, but, you know, you're still kind of getting a comedic relief where, he jumps at him, and then he's got to, you know, of course, unlock him to let him out of the house. So I just thought that that scene's probably one of my, uh, you know, more favorite scenes just because it's, it's just like a really in-your-face scene, but then it throws in comedy, so it mixes in just this really intense scene where someone just got killed graphically right in front of you, and the the killer himself is not even, like, even slightly flinched by it. He's just calmly sitting there got blood all over him from the guy and just, you know, and then throws in some comedic relief. So I thought that scene was amazing. Yeah, I agree, man. And then, all right, so this all kind of uh, built down to kind of the climax, I guess, of the movie. He's going to be on the Murray show. Uh, he, when he did the comic routine or the comic routine, uh, he envisions people eventually liking it, including, including uh, Zazie Beetz character who's there, who's actually not there. And what you find out from, you know, the Murray show, uh, De Niro's character, is that he completely bombed. And somehow, even though it's like during the 80s, they somehow got like a, a clip of it, whatever. I mean, just you got to suspend your disbelief sometimes. But I thought it was kind of silly. It's like there's no fucking camera phones back then, but whatever. Um, but it's just him bombing. So he wants him to be on the show, but more as a way to make fun of him. So, you know, he shows up. He's in the Joker, like, whole entire costume and everything. Uh, on the way there, the two uh, police officers that are after him, uh, you know, he chases them into one of the uh, the uh, basically the um, one of the subways that are going towards where it's going to eventually be the riot, where they're actually having like a uh, a demonstration, but it turns into rioting later on. Uh, he gets them on there and kind of blends in, takes a mask, starts a fight between them. It's like he knew how to control chaos, just like the Joker would, uh, which was really smart blends in with one of the masks on him uh, and sees these two cops uh, eventually pretty much get murdered in front of him by the other guys and gets the hell out of there and uh, gets on the show. He's in the back. Murray's kind of like, well, well, Mark Maron's character, who's I'm I'm assuming Murray's like assistants, like who the hell is this guy? Like he's fucking crazy. We're not going to use him on the show. Zanier's like, no, 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 he'll be fine. And he wants him to call him Joker. So he has him on. He does his cool little entrance that he's been working on. All Like you said, all the dancing that he did and all the stuff like that, like the little tics that he had and, and him contorting his body, just very impressive to an actor's standpoint on top of just great acting of this character of Arthur Fleck from Joaquin Phoenix. Incredible shit. 
Um, and so it really just builds up this tense moment. And what you think is going to happen is he's going to kill himself. And, like, even for comic book fans, you know, this is kind of like its own film. So that's very possible they could say screw it and do it like that, and it's more of, like, symbolism. But no, they don't. They they don't. He he. It's like he was into that idea, and through exchange of words with Murray, he just goes on a different tangent and starts directing it and realizing that he's really there as a joke and that he's just – you know, some psycho that this guy's that this piece of shit's exploiting, and he takes out the fucking gun and says, "You'll get what you fucking deserve." And he shoots Robert De Niro's character in the head in front of the whole audience. Everyone runs. Everyone's scared, and he's just there, happy about what he did. Blood sprayed a little bit on his face from the the, the gunshot that was right next to him, and he's just completely happy. And I was like, "All right, end it here. That would make sense." But if they keep on going. How the fuck's he going to get away from this? There's no way he's going to get away from the cops. And just like the Zazzy Beats character being involved and me going, there's no way there would be in a relationship. They give, a, they give us something, you know, a reason of how the hell he get away from the cops. Because cops are driving, they're taking him in, the riots are happening. They end up flipping the, the, uh, the police car, or I think they, they have an ambulance smashed into it, actually, is what happens they get Joker out of there, and he's finally the Joker on top of the, the uh, cop car, you know, with his audience. He's doing his dance. Everyone's praising him because now they know exactly who it is. And you see the start of this concept of the Joker. Last scene, he goes to Arkham. He's talking to one of Arkham's people that looks very similar to the social worker, and she's asking a bunch of questions. And I just love it that people really have to over-explain themselves in society nowadays, including me and I think a lot of other people. But, like, when someone, you know, wants you to explain something, you give them a lot of details. And he said – he was laughing. She said, what's funny? And he said, it's a joke. And she said, what is it? And he, he doesn't give her anything. He says, you wouldn't get it. And the next scene we see is him walking away from that office with blood at his feet, just like, you know, bloody footprints going down, and then the guards trying to tackle him. So obviously he murdered the shit out of this lady. Uh, just one hell of a way to end it. Like a one flew over the cuckoo's nest, a little bit of an ending. Sucks we're not going to get Joaquin Phoenix back as his character again, but still a really, really good, interesting think piece when it comes down to it. Uh, Luke, some uh, thoughts on some of the stuff I was just talking about and rambling on about. I think the subject is so much. No, I mean um... – one of the greatest scenes, and um, I definitely would get a poster of it, is when he stands up, he's just, they pulled him out of the cop car because they just smashed it with the ambulance, and they pull him up, and they're all waiting for him to get up on his own and all that. And he knows that he's bleeding, and he does that final with his two hands. He gets his blood and does a smile, and he's just dancing. And I would totally have that poster right now of him on the car with all of them around him because it's just such a, of just a vivid scene of just now this is Joker and just even when he was in the talk show too, the way that he's now holding himself, he's all like kind of like slouching the chair and he's kind of talking more gritty and he's like, none of you guys even care. None of you would care if I was dead on the street. And he's just like, so like against like everything and he's just all fuck it. And I just, <clears throat> it's, like you said, it, it sucks that it's not going to have another movie just because it's really hard to, like, like I know we're about to probably compare him, but it's, like, really hard to put it on, like, where he stacks up as a Joker because, like I said, it's, like, 
the only real time that you get them being full Joker is probably like the last 20 minutes of the movie, but the last 20 minutes of the movie is phenomenal. And Hakeem Phoenix just does a great job of just the whole character. Like, I love this shot too. Like you were saying, like when the cops are getting beat up and he's standing over them and he's just doing his little dance. He's like, ha 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 ha. Fuck you guys. And I'm out and all that. And it's just like, man, it's just like right there spot on. I'm just like jokerness. And yeah, it's a bummer. I mean, I'd love to see him do it another Joker movie. I think he really captured that character really well. Um, I think he could do a really good job of just that really sinister Joker. Um, you know, him and Heath, like you said, they both played him really well. It's just Heath's key character for Joker was he's already a full-blown, you know, it's, it's already Joker. Joker's kind of already kind of established like he's not you know going through these craziness where and all this like battles with it within himself so he's already the character the joker so you know so it's it was a great movie i recommend it anyone to go see it just you got to sit through it yeah it's it's hard to kind of see a demise of someone and in society how it is like i saw a great meme it was like in and it's jack nichols character and it's like back in the day they made Joker by throwing him in, uh, throwing him in a pool of uh, toxic like acid, and it was like uh, today we made Joker by throwing him in a toxic society. And I was like, you know, what I mean, I mean, it's kind of true. I mean, society will do that to people and all that. I mean, that's what I think really got to people is where it is kind of a character where it's like this could you know happen, but I don't think it's it's not ever going to happen. It's not going to make someone you know sit in their room and be like, I need a you know, deep diving in this, but it's just like any movies, any movie you can do that where it's like, you know, this character or this movie really relates to like these times and all that, or like, you know, kind of thing. That's what movies do. They want you to feel like, you know, you could be part of that Gotham society and see this guy where you felt like you could have helped him and there's no help and all that, but there's no, I don't, it's just anything that bad happened, you know, anything they can draw lines and, you can try to mismatch it to anything, but there's no real motives and there's, there's no real, no one's motive ever. If they do anything corrupt and evil is going to be like, Oh, solely on this movie. That's, it's just, that's crazy that people put it out there, that media runs with it and all that. You just got to go into this. Like I said, at the beginning, going into this being a movie where you're going into a city and a society that it's just everything that is just terrible in the world, all bunched in one. And, you're about to get one of the most sinister characters alive be born in your eyes. Like, he's literally going to just, you're going to see his steps. And I think just from beginning to end, it was just amazing. It was just a well-done movie. Um, just all the shots and just everything was just really well done. The music, I mean, that end scene where it's, um, uh, I forget that, like, it's really, it's, uh, the bowls come out too. It's a really big hype song, and he's just dancing down the stairs before the cops come chasing after and it's just like all the music was really well done and it's just just overall just a really great movie. Yeah, kudos to uh Todd Phillips and I think that you brought the conversation in the direction I wanted to go into and my you know, before we kinda wrap this up is the and I've seen so many of my favorite reviewers. A lot of them, you know, a lot of them live in California, a lot of them are on the left, but guess what? They think that the ridiculous, you know, accusation that this movie could influence violence is a bit fucking ridiculous. And unfortunately, it's always going to be pushed towards video games and music and fucking movies and television and saying that we're desensitized and blah, 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 blah. 
you can keep on trying to paint it any way that you want to. Um, some of it does come with gun responsibility, and I've talked about that on the show beforehand. But I think the main thing that we can, you know, well, we should all agree with, but unfortunately don't, is the conversation about mental health in America and in general and the way that we treat it, uh, you know. And I always kind of make this this concept that the left will say, oh, you can take these vitamins and, and, and do yoga and you'll be fine. And the right will be like, well, the Bible doesn't say that, so I don't believe in it. And it's like, no, both of you guys are fucking wrong. The brain is an organ. You can have an issue with it. Um, and medication, the right medication, if you are honest and you, with your doctor and you have a good doctor, you can find a resolution for that. But for some reason, people perceive the brain differently than any other body part, which boggles my fucking mind. And I am someone that, you know, I've suffered through manic depression in the past because of bipolar disorder. I haven't in like, you know, over 11 years, thankfully, because I found a good doctor and I got on something. And it's because of this that, you know, people try to ignore stuff. Every time there's a shooting, they don't want to go into the whole mental health epidemic. They just want to blame it on other things. And it, we do a lot of things wrong in society. You know, Ben Shapiro, I've heard him talk about this a million times. When we stopped forcibly institutionalized people back in, I think, the late 70s, who showed a lot of signs of something and tried to be, make them either rehabilitate them and put them back in society as normal people after finding medication or just keeping them in there because there was no fucking help for them, it, it caused a trend. You had, you had assassinations in the 60s. In the 70s, you had serial killers became way more popular uh, as, as a concept for these sociopaths to try to become like legendary, I guess. In the 80s and 90s, you had people blowing up different places and stuff like that, just terrible stuff. And now it went from school shootings to just public shootings. And I just don't think that it's really responsible for any type of reporter to try to blame this film because you're saying, oh, it's the Joker. He's a kid's character. It's still a fucking – the movie is not meant for children. The only thing that separates something like this and Deadpool is the fact that Deadpool is projected in a funny way. He's just as – he's more brutal in those movies. But for some reason, we don't perceive it that way. With the Joker, it is a story. It is a think piece. It really is about mental health and the fact that you know different classes of, of, of how a lower-class situation – what happens to them with other society out there of how it, they're just pushing the nothing and the fact that they get ignored and, and you know, this should be a, a, something that causes conversation. You don't fucking ignore it because you're scared of, of the concept of something bad happening. That's not going to change anything. That, that's just going to make it worse. You know, you, you don't, you don't, as a person, it's really bad to keep, you know, it's, it's different situation, but it's really bad to keep aggression in, you know, and keep on getting continuously mad about something and not saying something, you know, right then where it happens, because eventually it's going to make you explode, and then you're going to be a hell of a lot more angry than you need to be, and everything just comes out. Same thing with this. If you just it, pretend that mental illness is not a problem, it's not there, you know, we don't need to worry about it. It just completely goes and, and becomes more and more ignored. Luke, I don't know if, if you agree with me on everything I'm trying to say, but I, I think that people think that you should hide this movie to prevent violence. But if anything, you should watch this movie to see 
what what bad mental health can happen within society. No, I agree with you 100. percent It's not just because you're my brother and all that. It's just <clears throat> I'm with you. This is a movie where people need to stop ignoring things or stop running from it or stop trying to turn their head and, and act like it doesn't happen or or all this. It's really going on. And I like you, it's a really good movie to educate yourself, to really educate yourself on on everything. Classism, where, you know, he's in a, you know, you can really see from the poor perspective, you know, and, and their, you know, their, their, you know, their, their hatred, I guess, or, you know, their, the, you know, against the rich and all that, and just, you know, and mental illness and everything. And people nowadays, they don't want to, you know, talk about things. They don't want to, you know, sh- shed light onto it. They just want to ignore it, turn past it, and then make it look really bad. And I don't think that it should be banned or anything. Like you say, I, I think people should really take the time and really watch it. Yeah, it is a disturbing movie. I'm not telling you to watch this two times like I did or and enjoy it, but it's a, it's a really good movie to educate yourself, to really know that there is, there is this out there in society, and we need to stop, you know, acting like, you know, that we've got it under control and all that, where we really don't, and it's not ever talked about. It's one of those conversations that it just, it makes people feel awkward where it shouldn't, it should be definitely addressed. Like you said, the brain is an organ. We don't know anything really about it. You know, there's a lot that we don't know about it, and I just think that It's just we need to come to society. We're never going to grow, and we're never even going to get past it if we just keep on, like, these types of movies or these these things, and we're trying to censor it and sensitize it and all that. And and in the end, it does the opposite effect of what you want, and it makes things worse because you have people that don't ever want to see the things and don't ever want to shed light onto it and don't educate themselves so they keep their biased ways. And you have things where it's just like, like you're saying, it's just, you, we need to start coming together and just addressing these things. These things happen. We need to, as society, act like, you know, these things don't exist. And we need to really take actions for where things. And movies are not going to cause someone to go into, you know, a craze. It's their society. It's, the, you know, where they're from. It's, you know, their demons that they're battling with. And it's how we're not really educating ourselves and really trying to get you know, people, the proper, you know, medicine and everything. And, you know, so I just think that just a society as a whole needs to educate themselves and we really need to address it. And this movie, yes, it does put it really out for you and it really makes you take, I mean, it, it makes you sit into something where, you know, you might not enjoy it and it might be cringeworthy, but in the end you really need to look at it and, you know, see from a different perspective and kind of, you know, learn from it, not walk out of a movie not see the whole thing and just can be completely biased and then go from someone else's opinion that they hear their take on it and keep them going. And you just have all these takes where these people that maybe gave the movie 30 minutes, but really, if you just really, just really sit there and think about it, it's, it's a well-done movie and it does call out things like that we have to deal with in society and we need to address these things. Very well said, man. I completely agree with you. And, just to close up what we're talking about. Um, and when I, when I, it's, it's that I have to say this stuff, this stuff, but when I make a criticism towards the left or the right, and it's usually like a small section of that, like the ones that are obnoxious, ignorant, whatever, I'm not projecting as, for some reason, sometimes it can come off like I'm a conservative sticking up for a liberal or vice versa instead of a moderate fucking saying, no, this is stupid. But for the people that are so far left, and so, like, ridiculously fucking uptight 
you know, I'm, I'm looking probably at a bunch of like, you know, probably white people, white women and, and men a little bit younger than me that are just fucking uptight and shit like that. Quit speaking on behalf of everyone. Because I think that a lot of people that are being sensitive about this probably don't have a fucking mental illness. I'm going to assume because I just really can't stand that concept that these these ignorant fucks that are part of the left, the, the really, really left wing, will speak on behalf of all the left. And that happens on every concept. doesn't matter if it's a political party. um doesn't matter if it's whatever. The most ignorant people are the loudest people, and they speak on behalf of everyone. And sadly – they're broadcasted so much by other people that they gravitate and become a bigger opinion than they actually are, if that makes sense. And to me, that's what pisses me off about it. But what are you going to do? That is society. That's how it is. I just don't think – if you want a good movie that's about mental instability, I mean, like, you know, we, we need to talk about Kevin even uh, or, like I said, One Hour Photo or, or Foxcatcher or, or Taxi Driver. This is a great film. To see it's it's a very well made film. Thought the acting was great. I thought the direction was great. Soundtrack was great. There's not much I can complain about. So to kind of like round this up and finish it out, Luke, I am going to give this. It's very hard for me to give a ten to a movie, so I'm going to give it a nine out of ten because I feel like Pulp Fiction, Goodfellas, those are my tens. The Dark Knight, those are my favorite movies though. This is not one of my favorites. But it's a damn good film, so I think a nine is actually a really good score. What would you give it out of ten, Luke? Um, uh, I don't know, man. I really liked it. Um, I'd probably give it a nine. Um, I only have one gripe, and it's just small. And I kind of want to see if you agree with this. They did so true to everything, keeping along Batman lines. You know, I loved how they flashed to you know the end, the whole riot scene in. You see Batman, Bruce's parents get murdered and all that. The only gripe, the only thing I had a problem, and I want to know if you catch, they made Alfred look like a punk little (laughs) bitch, and that was my only gripe. There is no way Alfred, who is an ex, like, whatever England's, like, best ops person is, there's no way that some guy is going to grab him and hold him and punk him out. No, Alfred would not allow it. That's my only gripe that I have a good smooth. So that's my only thing that I could kind of notch it down and, and make it not a 10 out of 10. Um, like I said, the reason Dark Knight is a, just a slightly better movie is because it is a full-on, it's Batman, and he's, you've already had Joker. You're not seeing a character development. Um, I do think, you know, like you said, a lot of things are really well done in this movie. Um, if I were how to rank the Jokers, um, I'd probably right now have him third, but if I could get another movie where he picks up right after, I could jump him to the number one, you know, person playing Joker. I really think that he really did capture that yeah. character well, and at the end, he was a full-on Joker. It's just like, I keep on going back to this, you only got 20 minutes of it, so it's not like, you know, Heath Ledger or even Mark Hamill. I mean, not a lot of people watch animated Joker, you know, any of the animated shows, which DC is phenomenal on it, way better that's what they're really good at. And, you know, he's just always been a good joker and all that. But, you know, what, if he gets in one more movie, if, if it's, like you said, it's not going to happen. But if he were, he, I, could, I could put him in my mind as the best joker, um, just, you know, just playing him wise. Yeah, I think that what I would go for is out of the six jokers that we've had, basically, that people kind of, I'm not going to go for the extra ones that did them in random, you know, animated stuff, or even Zach Galifianakis that was in the fucking uh, Lego movie. 
I would say that my number one still is Mark Hamill. I'm a huge fan. I think the DC animated universe was just as impressive, or well, I mean, obviously a different format, but storytelling wise, as the MCU of how they got everyone started with individual animated TV shows and built up to Justice League and did it through the course of like 15 years. It's very fucking impressive. Mark Hamill was a definitive Joker. I'd say Heath Ledger's too, uh, just because he was so goddamn impressive. Very different take, but very, very good take. I just don't – we only got the Joker right at the end. So that's why I think Joaquin Phoenix would be three. Nicholson for four. Cesar Romero from the Adam uh, West television series for five. Just a classic to me. And Jared Leto, not because I hate Jared Leto's Joker, because they didn't give him enough time to be able to even really turn himself into the Joker, would be six. But, um, yeah, man, I think it was a very, very good performance. I'm looking forward to seeing Robert Pattinson's Batman. Um, I don't mind him being very separate from all this. And if they want to bring Ben Affleck back eventually in a Justice League 2 or something like that with those characters, go for it. I think that DC needs to free themselves up from trying to be like the MCU and worrying about continuity and just worry about great storytelling. They can even do a Justice League 2 call it JLA, redux it, not really talk about a lot of stuff in the past, just do an individual story, make it its own film, and just try not to like make sure it's connected with stuff, which is now what the MCU is trying to do. But, Luke, any uh, closing statements before we kind of send off from all this? No, I think we pretty much hit them all. I mean, I agree completely on your rankings. I do have Mark Hamill as my number one Joker, just like you said. I mean, he's just the DC animation animated universe is great. I mean, it's still going well. I just watched the latest one, Wonder Woman's movie, which is just another good DC animated movie. But in the end, I mean, this this could go down. I mean, if he doesn't win an, an Oscar for this performance, I'm just going to be very disappointed on everything that the Oscars are about. Just he, there's no reason that he does not win an award for this performance and this movie winning let's, awards. Let's get this movie nom or let's get him nominated because I haven't seen a lot of the performances, but he's definitely going to be up there. And if he doesn't get nominated, that's fucking ridiculous. I definitely think Joker should be one of the 10 films. I definitely think that happens. I just want to say an update real quick before we go. Uh, Brazzers, uh, the porn distributing company that makes lots of films that you might have watched, uh, they tweeted WWE. They said, hey, WWE, let us know if you need advice on how to craft logical and coherent storylines with satisfying finishers. Hashtag Hell in a Cell. So even fucking someone that works for a porn company got pissed off about last night and went to the social media of Brazzers and said that, Luke. Man, hell of a cell. What a you know, what a bad thing right now. That's 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 really funny <laughs> that they said that. That's that's actually very comical. Um, hopefully, you know, for your sakes and all the other wrestling fans out there, they learn from their mistakes and never have a terrible pay per view like this again. I don't make mistakes. You're fired. Um. Yeah, but I guess that's another episode, guys, of uh, Monday Suck. Hope you liked the review. Uh, thank you so much, Luke, for being on the show. Do you have any uh, anything to plug? Any shows coming up? Um, no, you know, just keep on uh, listening every uh, week um, to NBA Geekly. Uh, I should be coming back there fairly soon with the season starting up. So you know, check it out. I know Nick does a great job 
um, keeping us up with, uh, you know, two episodes per week. I'm usually on Thursday. So, yeah, uh, with the season starting back up, uh, stay tuned to NBA Geekly. Until then, uh, peace out, y'all. And everyone have a wonderful evening tonight. Enjoy yourselves, because if you don't, I might come and kill you! (laughs) And check us out on another episode next week of Dragon Ball Z.